Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls. This will be a classic episode. Uh, some of you know Nate and I started this uh, podcast uh, because we had phone conversations, and that's what we're doing right now. We're recording a conversation over phone because Nate has such terrible internet on the farm that there's like a three-second delay, and we just can't have a fluid conversation. So for the sake of, of fluidity over, over quality, we're doing a phone conversation. Uh, in this podcast... We are going to discuss the Olympics, the guts, the glory, and the conflict. But first, Nate, would you like to welcome uh, some new patrons to the team? Yeah, thanks, Andrew Irwin and Matthew Farbach, for uh, joining the team, just coming on board, giving us some support. High five, or a low five, depending on what kind of five guy you are. <laughs> we got some love. That's beautiful. And that's cool, because that helps us uh, do things like pay a cell phone bill so we can talk on the... Uh, the <laughs> exactly uh if you guys want to support any of you listeners out there we are a free podcast we are ad free we are a free public service but we do rely on the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls if you want to chip in five dollars five ten ten dollars if you want to be a baller ten dollars a month yeah there's some there, <laughs> there's some added benefits a baller at the baller status level there's added benefits for sure Oh, yeah. We get some emails all the time from people like you who are awesome, who also uh, want to tell us your thoughts and feelings. And we like that. We do. And we got a good one from Colin S. And he said, hey, guys, I love the podcast. And he talks about his hometown. He grew up in Oklahoma and everything's kind of conservative and they're fighting the liberals. And then the second half of his email says, and that leads to my concern. I believe in maintaining an open mind and approaching debates with reason and calm. But honestly, it doesn't seem like either side are. Uh, I grew up in a conservative evangelical home, so I understand much of the ignorance and judgment, if you will, on that side. My problem, though, is the other side, which uh, I've lately identified more with, is also extremely harsh in a different way. It seems that many people who demand open-mindedness on one side are judgmental towards people who disagree with them on the other side. In fact, these people, many of which are my friends, give very little to the world in terms of volunteer work or even monetarily speaking uh, compared to my fairly conservative parents. I feel pretty stuck between the two sides, not really feeling a strong attachment to either's morals. It seems like no one is willing to put up with each other. How do you guys feel about this? Sorry for the long message, Colin. Hmm. This is actually a pretty good one, Nate, because I think I think Chris Hoke brought it up in the, in the episode we did with him. A lot, you know, he does a lot of uh, pr yeah. prison work, and he goes into prisons, and he says a lot of the people that join up with him or support him are um, religious, right, conservative, evangelical folks. And while ideologically they might disagree with him in a lot of ways, they tend to be the more yeah. sort of giving um, and they kind of put their money where their mouth is. I mean, this is kind of the debate on both sides of the coin as long as I can remember. You know, you have these extreme ideologies of trickle-down economics, man. Just get it. You right. Know? And then like, nope, the poor will always be poor. Just get it. So. Right. But yeah, like Chris Chris said that, you know, sometimes it's weird. Like the conservatives are the ones actually doing things about it. Maybe there's more guilt right. on that side that drives action. Was Mother Teresa conservative? You betcha. <laughs> she was a nun. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, a lot of the charities are are founded by conservatives. I think the big thing, though, the big thing that I see is that here's Colin, he's in college, and he's exposed a lot of the liberal mindset, and he's seeing the other side. But guess what? No side is right. the right side. It's, you're going to see it's like that. 
and one side as you'll see in the other. But what you will see, I hope, is where one lacks, the other can provide. And so I think that's why it's important to maintain um, a neutral balance and to, to listen to people who have ideas from both sides so that you can go, actually, that is a good idea. And the heart behind that's really good. Maybe the method or maybe the, the way that we implement that we have disagreements on. But I think everybody, everybody goes, you know, poor people shouldn't be held down. They shouldn't be oppressed. They should have opportunity. Both sides say that. And that's a good <laughs> motivation, right? To what? What? Uh, what? You laughing at transcendence? He's just nonstop going. You're just on a trail. <laughs> well, I'm on my second cup of coffee, dude. I'm trying to get up for you. I know, I know, I know. I just, I'm just like sitting back here. Anyway, you know, when so, I need to rant, you gotta let me rant. I let you rant, and then I'm like, okay, when does this rant get too ranty? Well, then you—that's where you edit me out. Yeah, exactly. So you're just, you just, you're just casting my job, kind of <laughs> just to go a little bit, a little bit deeper into the into the editing process every time. It's like when I write a song, you know, it starts eight minutes long and i have to trim it down to three and a half yeah that's what i'm going to challenge you on this podcast matt the game of the olympic games episode is to volley quicker back and forth over this volleyball net that's our game how about that fair enough all right hi i'm matt and i'm nate and we want to welcome you to don't feed the trolls a podcast where we discuss trending topics art and culture through the lens of our experiences touring the world and creating art vocationally we hope to bring topics out of the minefield of the comments sections and into the sphere of reasonable dialogue thank you for listening So why are we talking about the Olympics? What's the deal? I'm sure there's some sort of trolling topic when it comes to uh, being an Olympian or just being a poor person watching the Olympics from this well ghetto. As you know, the Olympics are in Rio, and Rio is a town that's surrounded by these shanty villages that were like popped up. Like the poor, the basically the, the income gap is pretty dramatic in Brazil, yeah. and Rio is like the stark contrast so you can see like the wealthy people down by the beach and then up in the hills there's all these shanty towns of um basically people just like no code no zoning they just like build these you know towns and up until like three years ago they were run by like drug lords (laughs) so 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 there's like a moral there's a moral situation going on where you have like Super poor people on one side, super rich on the other side, and then there's this like Olympic Games going on. How can we sit here and say, oh, running this race is important, but these people are dying on the streets watching? Right. Well, the government is building these really expensive structures um, using pretty unethical practices. They're pushing poor people out of their neighborhoods, kind of gentrifying. Oh, really? Yeah, that's just one of the, the the criticisms of the games. They had to make room for the big shebang, so they had to, they're kicking right. people out. So they spent a bunch of money on this like soccer stadium. Meanwhile, the poor just get pushed up into the shanty towns further, you know. And that's the debate, right? Like, whose responsibility is it to take care of the poor in this situation? Should we just not do the Olympics? I mean, should we just yeah. say nope? All the money that goes to, to soccer stadiums goes to these poor people. I mean, that's the problem. Is is like. What do you do? How do you right. continue the Olympics? Yeah, like what's the value of the Olympics to to the community? And there's a lot of criticism as far as like it bankrupts, you know, towns. Like Sochi wasn't even a, a place and they spent all this money and it's like Yeah, yeah. Totally abandoned. It's just millions of dollars wasted. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's you know, a lot of activists are saying I don't know if you saw that they were doing the torch carrying ceremony where they like run the torch. The torch is like never supposed to hit the ground. And I saw this montage <laughs> of the torch literally getting dropped 15 times. 
<laughs> and they're they're like Rio doesn't know how to like take care of the Olympic torch because because protesters awesome. would come out with fire extinguishers and blast the person with the torch no trying way. to put it out. Yeah. And like they would like freak out and drop it and there was like all these like security guys in like tan suits all around the person like trying and people would like come try to attack the torch carrier. This is hilarious. These are Brazilians, you know, going, you know, screw this so the brazilians are going yeah. out and putting yeah they're total they're totally against it okay it is quite an interesting thing the olympics if you really peel it all back like i love that you emotionally abused your child since she was four years old to get to this point where i can watch her for five minutes you know for my enjoyment yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i mean that's a, that's a it's a pessimistic viewpoint because because to the person competing it's their life dream you know yeah there is something fulfilling about being able to have a platform with which to test your merit and your medal and and see how you stand up in 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 the history of physical feats. There's something at stake for these athletes and I think we like to watch that cuz there's often we go through our days with nothing at stake, you know. But you're saying when it comes to Olympians, it's a good thing for someone to subject themselves to 15 years of training just for that one event? You think that's a good thing? Well, I think anytime you work hard for your goal, whatever your goal is, I think that's that's honorable work. I think you can look back and go, how far have I come with this singular focus? Well, sure, but I mean I think the I think the moral argument is how long, how many hours? Like you literally forsake your entire life. Right. For that one race. Well, that's the the argument is to be the greatest, that's what one must do to compete on that level. And is that valuable? Well, those people happen to be very inspirational to a lot of young people who are thinking about achieving their goals and like that's kind of what that's kind of what the rain and rhinoceros was to me. He was kind of saying like, "Look, it's good for me to be out in the woods to remind humanity that a dude could live in the woods and be okay." Right. So it's okay. Well, Thomas that, Merton was never going to be an Olympian. <laughs> but he's he's reminding people that, like, look what a human can do by himself. It can be okay. By not striving, yeah. We don't need to, I don't know, build these giant cities in order to, to be happy as humans. I think the thing is, though, is you're, you're talking like on the public dollar from the time they're born. Right. Four, three or four years old when they start training you. It's like, OK, society picks up this tab, right, for this person to basically get paid X amount of dollars a year, probably thirty, forty thousand dollars a year just to train to then get a shot at it. Right. I mean, who's paying? For well, all this it's stuff? not the government. I mean, unless you're China, they, they pick you out of school when you're like five years old. If you're physically advanced and they put you in special training. That's crazy. In, in China, in all these like Olympic events and the government pays for everything. But well, who does? pay? Well, for here it's private sponsorships. And um, I believe there's like organizations. It's like being a pro athlete, you know? The government doesn't pay pro athletes. But my, my point is, it's like, okay, so you're this poor person in Rio. You're sitting on the roof of your shanty. You're looking at these athletes, and their whole life they've kind of been a charity case. Like, oh, I run fast, so you take care of that guy, but I don't run fast. 
So I'm nothing. Well, I sit here on my shanty shed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's the, the fact that the poor people who are being misplaced can't even afford to go to the, the, cer- the, like the opening ceremony, the ticket prices. 60, 67 bucks all the way up to 1400 bucks. To go to the opening ceremony. And a, uh, a minimum wage worker in Brazil takes home about $55 a week. So Rough. these games, that's why there's this massive controversy. How do you feel about it, Matt? When I start watching the games, all that fades away. When I see the glory and the guts and the tears and the heartbreak, you know, the parody. Poor people are contributing to that in a, in a sort of sort of a way, like everyone gets to benefit. I, I think their I think their plight is important, and I think that because of all the attention on the games, the people who are affected negatively by them actually have a louder uh, reach for their concerns, and I, it actually really bums me out the systemic evil of how the games are set up and, and how people are moved around. and What is that evil? So you're saying that the Olympics themselves kind of enforce these rules? and Yeah, the amount of money it takes to put them on. Yeah. When you look at, when you step back and look at the big picture, you go, is it really that important? And the money could be spent on other people. This is sort of a conversation I've had a lot of times. Like, you know, you, you and I have been to the mega church where the church is huge. They got the light show and everything. Sure. And then you've been to the small church on the corner that has nothing like a hundred year old sound system that got donated by the government you know from the cold war era right and it just goes all the way up from churches all the way to the olympics yeah yeah i guess so i mean you're never gonna have i don't personally believe that we'll have a utopian society where we will we won't have poor people but i still feel like there's a responsibility for those of us who have to to help here's the here's the thing the conservatives think the Olympics creates jobs. Right. Right? And the liberals think that cost way too much and rob the poor people of their share because the rich just get richer. Sure. And they're both true. Right? Right? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> the rich the rich do get the rich do get richer and the Olympics does create jobs, even on a construction level and a temporary level. Yeah. And an ongoing yeah, selling level, sodas I mean, in the back alley. What do you feel about the Olympics? Do you feel they're good or bad? I mean, you... no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a binary person. I. I just said they're both good, and they're both bad. So, like either side, either side of the coin has some correct aspects, and they have some incorrect. So aspects. you think sand volleyball is is worth more than Sandy, who's on the beach, homeless, walking down the sandy shores. Not if you put them side by side, but it doesn't mean you you can't do beach volleyball because someone else is homeless. I mean, that, you can't live in that dichotomy. And you can't live like that. You actually, it's it's healthy to be able to compartmentalize. And that's why I can feel, on in one instance, the plight of the minimum wage worker in Brazil in the dichotomy that the Olympic Games are there and they're spending all this money on this on this entertainment, I can feel that in one moment, and in the next moment, I'm watching beach volleyball and I love it. So it's great. So the debate really, the debate really, is how much lever do we turn on the compartmentalizing part of the brain? How much can we, you know what I mean? Where do you, how how far do you turn it? Well, how I, much do you I think you how much you always you, have. Yeah. You always have to have empathy, right? You can't say, "Ah, oh, screw those people," you know. They they just haven't pulled themselves up from the bootstraps or whatever. That's that's not empathy. I think you always have to empathize with the plight of people, but at the same time, not to the point where you can't 
enjoy the good things in life. You know, when you don't have joy yeah, anymore because yeah, yeah. you're just miserable because you just can't stop thinking about all this negativity and, and war and drought. I think that's and, a huge side of the conservative world. Like the rules are so drastic and the consequences are so drastic. Right that you can't enjoy anything because there's always somebody sinning. There's always somebody committing a crime. There's always a problem. Right. So the only thing we can do is save everybody and get the hell out of here. Yeah, I, I agree. And that side's frustrating. It is, but that's why it's important that we focus on some joy and some positive news. And we all love the underdog story. So I don't know if you've heard this one. Yeah, the refugees. Yeah, basically a girl who is a Syrian refugee her whole town was bombed and they were caught up in violence and her and her sister tried to escape. They got to the Aegean Sea where they, where they were going to jump on a dinghy with 20 other people and she finds herself on a dinghy with her sister and the engine dies. She's 17. She goes, I swim. So she jumps in the water with like three other people and they kick for three and a half hours across the ice cold sea and she's competing in the Olympics. Um, in the 100-meter butterfly and freestyle. Uh, there's no nation, no flag, right? They're just refugees now. And she shows the humanity, the human face of refugees, which we talked about on our refugee episode. And that kind of underdog story is what makes the Olympics great. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, that's inspiration. It's almost like it shines this just big old light on humanity and says, look, here's the greatest parts of humanity. Here's a person who's like, coming to compete sure. in this world event who sw swam people to freedom months ago. And then here are these poor people on the shacks behind everything, watching these fireworks go off. And here's these rich people feeling guilty because they can see all the people who are hurting on the outsides and everybody right. has to sit in it. Yeah. So you get the whole spectrum yeah. of humanity. You get the glory the best parts of humanity when you work and train your whole life for something and you achieve that gold medal, you get that and you get the heartbreak. The person who said, this is my last games and they're heartbroken. So you get this extreme spectrum of, of joy and grief. That's all the best parts of the shows that we watch. That's the best parts of our lives that we remember. You know, it's the weddings and the funerals, you know, and we get to see that in one event, you know. It's funny that you use this this email in the beginning of this episode, but I think Colin was kind of onto something where it's like if you just stand in the middle of it all and kind of take the good with the bad, you can enjoy humanity. And you have to do that because if you start to look at it from one angle, you just stop enjoying life. You stop enjoying the process and like you can't ban the Olympics because of poor people. You just can't do that. Right. Right. But at the same time, we can't not write news articles about the trash that surrounds the golden goose. You know what I mean? Um, we right. have to write about that. And we have to kind of we have to kind of fight the trolls in the middle. We just found a goose. The lays the golden eggs. Oh, I need him. This goose's name is I'm Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt. Nate, one thing I want to talk about is, is I was thinking about this. Um, 
I thought I thought about nationalism because I feel like our country never gets more nationalistic than when we when it's Olympics. Okay. Like people normally, a lot of people won't chant USA, USA unless they do it every four years, you know, or every two years, winter yeah. and summer Olympics. Yeah. And I feel like people just get more nationalistic because here we are rooting on our American born and bred athletes, and that might boost Trump's approval rating what yeah because he's he's all about like beating china or like winning so much that we'll be tired of winning and i'm like just the amount of nationalism that surrounds the games like i feel like his message his sort of nationalistic message might be people might be more empathetic to it yeah but i i mean like people who normally wouldn't be you know no, if this is coming from a totally like every country has their nationalism. Right. It, it comes from a positive side. I think Trump in, inflicts the fear side. I think they're two different things right, going right. on. I think people want to connect like a positive patriotism to Trump, but in reality it comes out like, oh, okay, only upper middle class white people are allowed in that version of the USA. Right. You know, so that's not patriotic at all. So I don't. I don't know if nationalism We're, connects to Trump to me. Here's the fact: we are winning so much in the Olympic Games, but I don't know if I'll ever get tired of of winning. But yeah, no. I mean, I think in in the end, though, it's just this. Even this conversation has opened my mind to the empathy of seeing the value of the Olympics. Because I'm kind of, I can get pretty. I I love things that are very. Um, I don't know. Like, I like the farm because everything has its place and everything works right. and there's not a lot of waste. It drives me nuts that the Olympics is just this big old trail of waste. It's literally <laughs> super wasteful. Yeah. I love efficiency. And I couldn't imagine having, like, uh, empty stadiums just going back to dust. Well, that's the systemic aspect where you can see the evils because they're so big. But when you get on the personal level and you see the – you look into the eyes of these people competing. They're they just they're just part of the human story, and you see like, sort of like sure. a human aspect to it. They're not responsible sure. for the Olympics. They're just trying to compete at the highest level that they can. This happens to be it. Yeah, you, you kind of see the you can empathize with their story and their struggle and their plight and their glory and their grief and their sadness, with the tears. You My know, issue like, is this: is it's like. A person can commit a crime, like kill somebody, go to prison for 20 years and get out. It's society can accept them. And a person could inject steroids into their bodies and ride a bicycle and be banned from society forever. (laughs) You don't lie. Don't lie at that level. It's like there is this precedent of like humanity places sports above everything. And it's kind of ridiculous sometimes. And I think. That is some of So my basically book. a crime is let's say you rob somebody, right? You hurt one person. Sure. But how many people do you hurt when you cheat on on the level of where millions of people are supporting you? Millions of people are giving you money. Millions of people you're getting all these accolades. Like when you rob all these athletes who trained their whole lives to who who did it legit and you went out in your Lance Armstrong and you robbed them six times. I mean, that's a massive crime. I mean, he shouldn't. Yeah, he should be punished. I would say they're all doing something too. Oh, well, I mean, they're it's, all it's, on. It's all way you can get away with. Absolutely. 
Barry Bonds still has to hit 73 home runs. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, my right. point is, is Pete Rose had almost 5,000 hits. Right. Gambled a little bit playing baseball. Oh, yeah, that's so stupid. It wasn't even... And they have not, like, brought him back in acceptance. Like, pe- people have served two life yeah. sentences. Right. My thing is, dude, there's a thing about sports that that is... It's, it's, it's like competition. I don't know. It's something... The Olympics has this thing. You're saying no. I'm saying yes, I think. So you, you think we value sports too much as, as humans. And maybe maybe we do. Um, but I say we are only... There's just a weird short-circuiting is what I'm saying. There's something that's like... We're only seeing the mirror of our own human experience in in the event, in the competition, in the people that are competing. We're only seeing ourselves, and that's why it's valuable. It's like actors on a stage... And they're exposing the best and worst of humanity and all the best and worst parts of life and at an extreme level. And that, I think, is super valuable for people to experience. It's just like going to a play or experiencing an opera or a ballet or whatever. The tragedy and the comedy and the glory and the failure. That all in, in, in one, in one yeah, three-minute yeah, yeah. event, you know? And we, it, we're, it's just a mirror of our human experience. And that's why it's valuable. It's not... You know. I know, but I but but when it comes to like athletes, like there's this lifetime banishment right. because sports means sports means so much. And if you oh, you know, like if you right. challenge that idea, I don't know. I just I just think there's some there's some crazy denial that goes on with our love for sports yeah. in the world. There's just this crazy den- denial of how much we're actually into it. Hang on, I'm getting a... F- like, we're crazy yeah. into it. Sorry, I was what? just getting a FaceTime. I actually actually got a run. All right, well... Uh, I can... I can. So we solved the problem <laughs> of humanity in this one episode. We figured obviously. it all out. In four years, we're not going to have the Olympics. Sorry, people. <laughs> Sorry. I'll compete. They'll be dead. <laughs> Along with Matt's dreams that concussions and football aren't related. Oh, geez. Yeah, that, that's another episode altogether. <laughs> they are related. Hang on one yeah. second. My wife's FaceTiming me. I got to run, Nate. Uh, until next week. Man, this podcast is just... We are holding it together, baby. We're holding it together. Until next week, uh, thanks thanks, thanks for listening. We love you guys, and uh, we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk to you soon. In the meantime... Don't feed the trolls. Peace. When we'll be free, so we patiently wait for that fateful day. It's not far away, but for now we say, When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. And then it goes back, and then it goes back, and then it goes back. Oh, so many wars, settling scores, bringing us promises, leaving us poor. Love is the way, love is the answer, that's what they say, but look how